And now, from the little town of Bethlehem, he's the Nazareth Stunner, the one, the only, Jesus! Well, maybe not quite like that, but we'll see more about what Jesus' brothers had in mind, as well as some bonus coverage on Christmas on today's Bible Study Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Bible Study Podcast. This is our last episode before Christmas and will be the last episode of the year 2007 for me. My name is Justin and I'm so glad to be with you again tonight as we journey through the Gospel of John together. As I just mentioned, this will be the last podcast of the year for the Gospel of John studies as I'll be traveling, as many of you will as well, for Christmas. So please remember my traveling in your prayers and, and I'll be in prayer for yours as well. However, today's podcast is going to be a bit different than most, because I'm basically going to give you two podcasts in one. Now, you may be thinking, how is this going to work? But it will actually be quite simple. Here in a moment, we're going to go over our study of John 7, verses 1 through 9, and cover Jesus' brother's suggestions for his ministry. Then we'll have a brief message from the founder of Bible Study Podcast, Toby, who has something he'd like to tell you about. After that, we'll actually go right back to this podcast with a brief special rant lesson on Christmas that I'd like to share with you and hopefully can help you to keep the season in perspective. Now, I have to admit to you that I was very tempted to just take this entire podcast to cover the topic of Christmas, but I'm sure some of our other, perhaps more qualified hosts, will be handling that subject soon, so so I opted to leave you with just a couple of thoughts and what I'm calling my Christmas rantings that I thought may be helpful to you. So be listening today, and and you'll get bonus coverage from this podcast at the end. I'll also go ahead and let you know that in today's podcast, you'll be hearing music from Dan Smith, who you can search for on iTunes and download his music for free, as well as from our good friend Marcus Bradley, whose CD you can find at http colon slash slash web dot mac dot com slash Marcus Bradley. Marcus is spelled M-A-R-C-A-S, Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Now, this website will also be posted on our website, BibleStudyPodcast.org, so be sure to check them out if you'd like to catch up and hear more of what you hear tonight. As always, you can reach me at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com, and I always look forward to hearing from you, and, and I try my hardest to get back to you as soon as possible, so... Let me know if I can be of any help to you. (laughs) With what seems like an endless list of introductory comments now, however, let's get started with a word of prayer. Our Father, we come again into your presence, seeing how lacking we are in light of your grace and holiness. Please forgive us for trying to do things our own way and shutting you out of our lives. Help us to rest in you and trust in the saving work of your Son, Jesus. It's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Now as we open up John chapter 7, we see Jesus walking in Galilee, which you will remember as the area of Israel in the north by the area's namesake, the Sea of Galilee. Now we are told that he was walking there, which, as we spoke of last week, is commonly John's way of saying that a person is going through life. And and the reason he's walking there is because he was unwilling to go to Judea, which is in the southern part of Israel and is by far the central area of the country, as Judea was where Jerusalem sits. 
Now John further tells us that Jesus was unwilling to go there because the Jews were seeking to kill him. As we mentioned in our summary of chapter 6 last time, John's gospel has brought us to the point of no return for our Lord Jesus, as the Jews are now actively letting it be known that they want Jesus dead. The cross is clearly in sight, and we are now seeing how the specific path to it is being woven. But after letting us know the immediate situation, John puts in a note which may seem trivial, but is actually quite important for the direction of this story. As verse 2 tells us that the Feast of Booths, a feast of the Jews, was near. Now the Feast of Booths is no small matter for a Jewish person reading John's Gospel. This was one of the major festivals that were held in the Jewish ritual year. and It was meant to commemorate Israel's wandering through the wilderness and took its name from the fact that during that period the Jews would live in tents or booths. It was a seven-day festival which usually fell at the end of the harvest season, giving it an even bigger fanfare. During the course of this week, a priest would offer 70 bulls as a burnt offering and would carry out a sin offering daily. Every seventh year, the law commanded for there to be no harvest, for there to be a time to allow the fields to rest. So in that year, the people would gather to hear the law of Moses being read. In other words, this was a big deal for the people and carried a huge social and theological significance for the Jewish people involved. Now it's at this point that Jesus' brother enters the scene. Here in verse 3, Jesus' brothers say to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. So let's set the stage a little bit and better understand what his brothers are telling him. They basically are saying, hey, you know this festival's going on. You know everyone who's anyone is going to be there. So you need to leave here and get down there. Why should he go? Well, his brothers say he should go so his disciples, his students, his followers may see the things he is doing. Because no one does in secret when he seeks to be known publicly. As another version puts it, Anyone who wants to be well-known does not hide what he does. You know, in other words, his brothers are saying, Hey, you need to be in the spotlight, man. You need to go where the people are. Because if you want to be known, if you want to be somebody, you've got to do your stuff in public. Now, John mentions here in verse 5 something that is key. As he says, even his brothers were not believing in him. So do you begin to get the picture of what's going on here? Jesus' brothers who John tells us do not believe in him, are trying to make the best of the situation here. Now, I don't believe they were doing this out of malice or out of hate. No, I think they were honestly trying to give Jesus the best advice that they know. And so, being the entrepreneurs they apparently are, they tell him, Hey, this thing you're doing, you know, it's cool. We don't necessarily believe in you, but if you want to do it right, you need to quit doing these little things in secret and get out where people are. You've got to market yourself, baby. You've got to do a good job, Jesus, and then people will follow you. But you see, they missed the point, and I think it's something we often do. Jesus' goal was not to be the world's most popular man. His goal was not to make us rich or famous, and yet his brothers wanted to make him that. Sadly, I think we often do the same thing with our churches and with our ministries. Let me tell you, this is honestly one of the greatest struggles I have in doing the work for Bible Study Podcasts. Those of you who know me know that my educational background is in business. I was an honors student in management. I, I had a good amount of study and, and a good amount of experience in marketing. Let me tell you, 
This is a huge struggle for me. I have to constantly consider whether I want to do do certain things or say certain things in a way that would bring more listeners, more supporters, more downloads, or whatever I want to be true. You see, friends, I have to decide whether I want the numbers or whether I want to be true to what God has called me to do. It's hard not to get caught looking onto our website to see how many downloads I've gotten. It's a struggle not to judge how well I'm doing by how many of you have listened. But the work of Christ is not a numbers game. You know, as I mentioned before, it'd be easy for me to get a huge crowd together. It'd be easy to get a huge listening audience. Just like it's easy for people to form a huge church or have a huge youth ministry. It's not hard to get people in. All it takes is water down the message a little bit. Maybe do some things that get us some positive press in the media. You know, do something great for the community. Build a house for somebody that's poor. You know, build a well in a poor community. Do something to solve AIDS. You know, it's not hard to get out in the, the media. And, and maybe if we made a few radical comments, we, you know, we'd get a lot of people. We'd have a huge group that would listen. We could put up a sign and really stir up some, some mess and get a ton of people to watch. But is that the point of Christianity? To see how many people you can get? Is it our goal to have a ton of members? See, I don't think so. And I think that's the point that the brothers seem to miss here. In fact, as we shall see in Jesus' response, they can't help but to miss it. Let's pick up in verses 6 through 8, where Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not fully come. See, Jesus tells them, my time has not yet come. It's not time for me to stand out in front of everybody. It's not time for me to be the object of everyone's attention. That time will come. And believe me, friends, we can read the Bible and see the time will come when Jesus is lifted up. But at this point in the story, at this point in his life, it's not there yet. It's not now. You know why? Because the world hates him. Why does the world hate him? Because he testifies that its works are evil. Basically, Jesus is telling them, since I tell the truth about the condition of those in the world, that they're horrible sinners, that they need a Savior, they hate me. But in telling this, he also tells them why they don't get it. He tells them that their time is always ready. It's always a good time for them to go into this worldly environment. Why is that, you may wonder? Because the world can't hate them. And why is it the world can't hate them? Because they're a part of it. It won't hate you, brothers, because you take part in its evilness. You are in its sin. Wow, what a stinging rebuke. And I'd like to read you a quote from F.B. Meyer on this very thought. And it goes like this. Ah, it is one of the most terrible rebukes that incarnate love can administer when it says of any now, as it did of some in the days of his flesh, the world cannot hate you. Not to be hated by the world, to be loved and flattered and caressed by the world, is one of the most terrible positions in which a Christian can find himself. What bad thing have I done, asked the ancient sage, that he would speak well of me? The absence of the world's hate proves that we do not testify against it, that its works are evil. The warmth of the world's love proves that we are of its own. The friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. 
Wow, what a strong quote. And as verse 9 closes this thought, we read that having said these things to him, Jesus stayed in Galilee. Now I think there are some very important things we can take from this passage. Number one, I think we have to be careful of our motives when it comes to doing God's work. As I said, I don't think the brothers were acting maliciously. They're just acting from a wrong basis. They had the wrong foundation. You see, they wanted to make Jesus into the superstar, into a household name, you know, perhaps into a commodity. But the gospel of Christ is not something that can be bottled and sold. It is not some product that can be marketed and sent out. It it's the power that changes lives. Friends, I know how you feel, man. I I know how easy it is to judge our success on the basis of how many listen to us, how many follow us, how many buy what we're selling. But that's not the way of the kingdom. We're not part of some special interest group who who has to have numbers. We're not part of some crew that are judged by the amount of people that come in. We're not judged by how popular we are. We don't get more points for being on the top ten list of everybody's most favorite person. No, it doesn't work that way. We're part of a monarch whose goal is to save people's lives. Now, am I saying it's bad to advertise? Am I saying it's bad to reach out into the community? No, I'm not. But I'm saying that we must be careful about why we do what we do. Now, if this is something you guys would like to learn more about, you know, if you'd like to learn about the balance needed in marketing, how, how to determine what's okay and what's not, you know, some of these social gospel issues, let me know. I, I'd be glad to try to work in a podcast about it if it's something you're interested in. But for now, just realize that we must understand that we're doing the work of the Father. We're doing what He wants, not what we can do well. Sometimes those intersect, but sometimes we do a good job of doing what we do well very poorly in God's kingdom. Secondly, I, I think that we can see that those who follow Christ will be hated by the world. Now, this does not mean we should purposely start fights. This does not mean we should cause a scene so the world can hate us. But it does mean we shouldn't be surprised when we face resistance for doing what is right in the world. We should remember that if the world hates Christ and we're trying to emulate Him, we'll probably have to face that hate at some time. Finally, I think we can take from this that there is some value in relying on God's timing. Jesus did not go up to the festival yet because it wasn't His time. I know that I often run into problems in doing certain things just on the basis of not being patient. I try to rush, I try to jump the gun, and I end up in situations I was not prepared for. However, we have a God who is trustworthy, and if we would trust in Him, He would guide us, He would teach us patience, and He would teach us when the time is right. He would help us through those struggles we face in carrying out those actions. Now with that, I'd, I'd like to remind you to stay tuned for bonus coverage here on Bible Study Podcast after this brief message from our fi- founder. So, I'll see you on the flip side.
This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a para-ministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a non-profit, listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus. Welcome back, friends. Now, as I promised earlier, I'd like to present to you just a couple of my thoughts about Christmas that hopefully will serve to help your celebration of the season, which is soon upon us. But as I begin this section, I want to start out with a bit of a gripe. My gripe is that I believe the importance of Christmas has been replaced by the experiences surrounding Christmas. Let me explain. Whenever we look around in the stores or listen to commercials on television or on the radio, We're bombarded with a message that Christmas is about the gifts. It's about how much we get and how much we give. It's a time of year that we give to one another and make each other materially happy. Now, I'm not opposed to gift giving, and and I'll be participating in it myself, but the importance of Christmas is not gifts or giving. I think it's great to give to others, and it's great to help others out. But friends, I, I don't think that's the message of Christmas. In fact, as Christians, we should be about giving and helping others all the time. Not just in December, so so let's rule out that as the importance of Christmas. Another one that kind of stings me lately is the message that Christmas is about families, namely visiting and seeing your family. Now this one has really gotten under my skin recently as a local Christian radio station has decided to market its Christmas music and has put out the message that Christmas is about families. Now I love getting together with family and friends, and I don't have a problem with doing that at Christmas. But the fact of the matter is, that's not the reason Christmas is important. I gather together every year on Mother's Day with my family, but that doesn't mean that Mother's Day is on the same level as Christmas. No, Christmas cannot just be about families. Well, what about the message that Christmas is about going home? Now, this is very similar to saying Christmas is about families, but is often given to those who have been away longer, and, and we're often given the image of, you know, eating the big meal at home. It's warm by the fire, but... Again, how can Christmas be about going home? I mean, many of us have changed home so many times, and Jesus himself was not at home on the first Christmas. No, it couldn't be about that. So Christmas is not important because of giving, because of family, because of home, or food, or or any other kind of claim that I could rant off. Why is it the most wonderful time of the year, as is often sung? I believe the answer can be found in Galatians chapter 4. After making the comparison that we are like children who are under strict care, even to the point of being as a slave, Paul writes in verses 3-7 to of Galatians 4, So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons." Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, friends, Christmas is important because at just the right time, Christ came. And not only did he come, but he came of a woman under the law so that he might redeem us so that we could receive the adoption of sons. Therefore, we can have the Spirit dwelling within us, and we're no longer a slave to sin, but rather we're sons, making us heirs through God. Now, while we often overlook the importance of Christmas, I think it's something we must remember. The gifts are great, the food tastes awesome, but the true importance of Christmas is that Christ came so that we may be set free and may be sons of God. So as I close, may I remind you of John 1, verse 12, which reads, As many as have received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Please don't let this Christmas go by without praising God for his wonderful gift and letting others know that it is Jesus' work on the cross that has saved us from death and sin, and it's his arrival that we celebrate on Christmas. So please, be safe. Be careful in your travels. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't believed in him, please don't let another moment go by. Talk to someone. Tell them that you want to know how to follow Christ. Friends, then it will truly be the greatest Christmas ever. Until we meet again, may God bless and keep you, and have a very Merry Christmas.